You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you to two passages of Scripture. I'll turn to 1 John and 1 Peter, two uh, New Testament epistles not too far apart, right before the end of the Bible. And we'll go to 1 John chapter number 2, and then we'll also go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. Amen. We are in a series here, and uh, so I've been enjoying this and uh, believing that God's going to help us today. I do want to just take a moment and uh, say special happy birthday to two people who labor around here. Friday was Brother Chuck Felt's birthday and uh, Sister Caitlin's birthday as well. Give him a great big hand. And uh, we appreciate them, all of our volunteers. But uh, Sister Caitlin, of course, is here on staff at the church. We appreciate all she does behind the scenes. And then Brother Chuck, all his many efforts uh, helping us with the choir and music. And uh, so we give them a great big happy birthday today. So, amen. First John, chapter number 2. These are not verses that are... Uh, uh, strange to you, or they ought not be scriptures that are strange to you. You ought to have them in your Bible, highlighted, underlined, and those pages should be worn. But 1 John chapter number 2 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. First. Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9, the apostle Peter declares of the New Testament church, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can we put our Bibles down and thank the Lord today for that testimony of calling us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Can we thank Him today? Hallelujah, Lord. I thank You today. God, I magnify You today. Lord, we love You. God, in this house, Lord, today, let Your Spirit have liberty. Let Your voice, God, be unrestrained in our life. Let Your Word have authority today. God, we declare your glory. We magnify you. Let your truth be in us. Strengthen your people, God. Encourage today, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. He's a good God. I bless your name today. I bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. We are in week three of our series entitled, Unload. Unload. It comes from the scripture, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, after the, the author writes about all of those that have, through faith, done great things. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're looking at unloading those things that become weights, that become obstacles in our life, those things he said which do so easily beset us. There are things that can happen, that, that do not cause uh, uh, disturbance in our life. We are not moved by them. But the writer here says there are other things that easily 
beset us. There are things that can come into our life that they don't have to take much effort, but just by their mere presence, their mere access, they can easily beset us. So we're looking in these four weeks at those things that become obstacles that get in our way, and we're looking at getting those things out of our way. We started week one with simply the subject of stuff, stuff, materialism, getting in our way and getting stuff out of the way. Last week, we looked at self, getting self out of the way. Self can destroy us, the flesh, the the things of our, of our own uh, nature that is contrary to the things of God. And this week, we are looking at society, getting society out of the way. This is, let me say, not, uh, and, and uh, uh, we could say it this way, this is not an itching ear series. The, the Bible says in the last days they will uh, heap to themselves preachers that, that tickle their ears or, or, or uh, scratch the itch of their ears, the things that they want to hear. Now, sometimes uh, there are many aspects of the gospel that are things we want to hear. And we ought to hear those and we champion those. I, I want to hear about deliverance. I want to hear about healing. I, I want to hear about hope. I want to hear about promise. But to take the gospel, we have to take it holistically. We have to take every part of it. And there are parts of the gospel that we as humanity don't want to hear. We don't welcome. And so... Today, we are digging down a little bit deeper into the layer. This may be some things that at times is uncomfortable with ourselves, but nonetheless, it is imperative that we get these things out of the way so that we can, as John says, be one that does the will of God and abides forever. Addressing the obstacle. The obstacle this week we look at is the obstacle of society. Society. Society is shaped not by the natural world, but it is, it's not, it's not by the earth itself, but it is shaped by the people, the creatures, and their mindset, their desires, their lust. This is what John writes about when he tells us, love not the world. Love not the world. I, I, I don't think that John was saying that we are not to enjoy the world or the earth that God has placed us in. I enjoy life. Anybody here enjoy life? I hope you enjoy life. I hope, I hope you're enjoying some part of life. But, but, but he's, he's not preaching against enjoying life. John is not saying that we cannot uh, get satisfaction out of the earth and out of living on this world. But John is speaking not to the material thing as much as he is speaking to the society. He is speaking to the worldview, uh, perhaps, that the world espouses. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And he goes on, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He lets us know that there is a divide between those that love God and those that love the world. That there is a war within yourself. I cannot love God and the things of God truly and completely and at the same time be flirting with and loving and admiring the world and its thought process and its worldview and its ways. He goes on and he explains... For all that is in the world, and this is what he says, it is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He's not talking about the, the physical things of the world. He's not talking about the plants and the foods and the landscapes and the beauty. He's not talking about the seasons and the blessings and, and the oppressions that they bring, but 
He is talking about the concepts, the thinking, the mentality, if you will, the culture that is created by the world. And specifically, he says it's motivated by three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The world is is a, 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 a tag that he has placed upon the spirit of the age, the day and age in which we live. He's placed this tag. He's calling it the world. He's not talking about the earth in the midst of the universe, but the concept, the society. And that world and that society, if you look here, is shaped by flesh. That's why last week it was so important that we first dealt with getting flesh out of the way, getting self out of the way. But the problem is, is that once you have gotten yourself out of the way, you cannot live in this world without encountering other selves and other people and their mentality and their ways of thinking. And you have to deal with that. You have to navigate it. You you cannot just isolate yourself. You, you, You have to live among people in the world. You live in societies. You live in nations. You live in cultures. And here John is writing to a people that have been born again. But he is writing to a people that... Uh, uh, around the time of this, it is, it is at the end of, uh, 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 of the Roman Empire, and, uh, but the Roman Empire is still raging. It's still going in its success. It's still espousing the, the Greek culture and, and ideals of the day and age. It was uh, um, against and contrary in every way to the things of God, the culture of that world. And yet John is writing to a church born again in that day and age. Peter is writing also in that day and age. And he lets us know what we are and who they are. He says, you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation and holy nation, a peculiar people. And John's letting us know, but we have to be careful that society does not impact us, that others do not impact us. So let's break this down this morning. Because I think that we as born-again believers, as the redeemed, as the called out of God, we have to stop and we have to pause and we have to acknowledge that anything that is not of God will sway us and lead us astray. We are subject to those around us. We are influenced by others around us for better or for worse. Today, we, we, we could say, perhaps some of us could say, that we have been affected by others in our life. And so let me just start right here and say that for those that have been hurt by others, offenses, things that are done to you. People can hurt you and it causes issues in your life. Has someone ever hurt you or done you wrong and and yet you still have to see them or you still have to show up on occasion at the same place that you know they're going to be? Whether that's a family reunion, whether it's Christmas time, whether it's a wedding, whether... Uh, God forbid, it's church or something. You have an encounter. Somebody does something. There's a negative exchange. There's hurt. And you will find yourself going to the event. And instead of being able to enjoy the purpose of the event and celebrate it, you are already thinking before you get there, I wonder if he's going to be there. Or I wonder if she's going to be there. And I'm going to hang back and I'm going to wait and see where they're sitting so that I can go. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? So I, can, I'm not, I ain't going to sit by them. And I'm going to go over here and, 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 and people 
affect us. It's a real thing. And in that same way, people can affect us and get in the way of our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with God. Can I tell you that bars are full of backsliders that have been hurt and offended in the family of God and Satan allows that to be leverage in their life to convince them they ought not go back to the house of God or to the things of God. And they would go back, but there is something that they are not ready to face. Can I just preach today that there is no one in this world that is worth standing before you and between you and the altar of Jesus Christ. There is no one in this world that is worth keeping you from the blessing and the promise that God has. Let me encourage someone today. Let me encourage someone here in this house or maybe in a few days to come listening on a podcast. Don't let anybody keep you from worshiping the Savior. Don't let anybody keep you, amen, from calling out the name of Jesus from coming to an altar of repentance and letting God restore your soul. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We cannot let others get in our way, get in the way, be offenses, things that people have done to us. We, we too often, we allow that to happen. Amen. You got you got to push that aside. You got to push through that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it does not come sometimes with with a, without a cost of your pride. But I'm going to tell you, it's not worth letting somebody keep you from what God has for you. Come to the Lord. Come to Christ. Whatever the cost, whatever you've got to lay down. But people get in our way. Societies get in our way. People on the local level, on the personal level, the tangible leather level. Not only, not only do people keep us, sometimes we allow people to keep us from what God has for us, but, but we can become captive and bound by what others think about us. Maybe it's not even them that's putting it on us, but we have put it upon ourselves. And we're worried about what other people think of us. And so we try to measure up because we need acceptance in our life. And so we're trying to measure up. And so what others say about us, we let ourselves be defined by them. I like what Peter said. He said, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people. Don't let this world define you. God has chosen you. God has redeemed you. God has loved you. And he said that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. God chose you and God gave you a purpose. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. They may say, well, that person, they, they ought not be living for God. They ought not be doing that. No, it doesn't matter. God has chosen me and I don't have to measure up to what everybody else thinks about me. It's the powerful thing about the story of David and Goliath. Not so much that he defeated a giant, that, that Goliath comes tumbling down, but that David would not be defined by his own household. He was not defined. Oh, David is here a young man. He, 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 he's at the end of his teenage years. Uh, somewhere along that process, maybe 16 years old. And he alone stands up to the giant that is terrorizing the people of God. David was not defined by what his father thought, by what his brethren thought. He was not defined by what his king thought. Saul said, you got to put all this armor. David 
allowed the relationship that he had with God on the hillside tending sheep to be the thing that predicated his confidence. His confidence did not come from someone else. It came from that moment where God gave him victory over the lion and the bear. And he said, I can stand up to this uncircumcised Philistine. Can I tell you, we have too much timidity timid mindsets in the church when you have a relationship with God when you can walk out of a prayer closet that God gave you victory from it doesn't matter what anybody else says I'm a chosen generation I'm a holy priesthood hallelujah 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 don't let others define you but we do we let others define us well I could never do that because of what I am. Well, you see, my, when we go through the litany of excuses of all of these things. Those excuses didn't come from God. They were imposed upon you by society. Society says you've got to be the most talented, and God says you don't have to be the most talented. You've got to be the most committed. <laughs> society praises talent, and God praises character and integrity. God says, don't worry about it. I'm the God that can part the Red Sea. I'm the God that that can call man out of heaven. I'm the God. It don't matter how good you speak, Moses. See, Moses was, was, he had some things in the way. God, I can't do this because I can't speak. And the Bible says that the wrath of God was stirred up against Moses. And God's saying, Moses, you don't get it. You're not good enough. I know that. But I will fill in the gap for you. I just need you to be willing. Amen. I just need God. That's all God needs. You may not be good enough for your marriage, your family, your job. But if you will just be what God has called you to be, the Lord will fill in the gap for you. And he can part the Red Sea in your future. He can can destroy the enemies. Don't let yourself be defined by society. See, Moses had been in Pharaoh's palace. He knew what was expected. He knew what was required. And he was thinking, God, you know what Moses is thinking? I can't impress Pharaoh. Well, that's right. But God's saying, you don't need to impress Pharaoh. Because what you're going to do is you're just going to stand there and speak the word and stand back, and I'm going to do the work in your life. Stop letting people affect you. We live in this day and age. Today, we, we, we see, we see uh, uh, the wonderful benefits. Praise God. I thank God for technology. Uh, uh, we just got uh, new phones, new phone numbers. Isn't this crazy? My phone unlocks by looking at me. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like, this is sci-fi stuff. Like, my grandfather... Uh, was, was, was born in 1901. I mean, he, he, would, he was telling me stories of riding on the back of a buckboard, hitching a ride on the back of a, a buckboard wagon to get into town. Like his world is totally different. Now the things that we can do with all this technology, what a wonderful thing it is. But, but we live in the age now where what we have done through technology as we have expediated and sped up and made, made greater the problems of society. And so... One of the greatest tools that we have today is social media. But social media, even though it reaps great benefits, it is one of the devastating things upon culture today. If you keep your ears to the ground and you listen to the psychologists and what the secular uh, uh, world is even saying, not even people that are necessarily a, a Christian or, or, or great moralists are saying what's happening to our generation is that everybody is being defined by other people and, 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 and the, ons, the, the onlook for the future is frightening. You can read the books. You, I've, I've quoted some of them. You can grab them. You can read the books of, of, of some of the cutting edge uh, research that's happening and they're standing back and people, I, I don't know what they're doing because they're not Christian and they're, they're looking at the next generation And they're saying, I'm glad I'm not going to be around to watch it because of what's coming. We are are seeing the the effects. Just a few years ago, who would have ever thought that people would be Facebooking live their own suicides? And where in one generation that would have caused great agony now because of the impact 
It's not causing people agony, but other young people are stepping up after they see that and they're doing the same. It's damaging because they are being defined by society and others are pouring things upon them. Can I tell you, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. And, and, we, and we, we're, we, we, as the church... Here, your pastor, we've got to be careful. I'm on social media. I want to use it to all those great advantages. But be careful that it doesn't get a hook in your mind. And instead of you dictating it, it's dictating you and polling you all around. And now we see people that are worried about not measuring up. Can I tell our children and our young people that if you don't have as many likes on social media as your friend or somebody else, don't worry about that. The only like that's important in your life is when you stand before God at the end and He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the rest. Amen. That's the only like that you ought to be living for. Come on, you, you do know that people will open up an account and then they'll open up a hundred other fake accounts to like their own images. You know that's like happening all the time. You, and you see people and they got thousands of likes. They don't know, people have thousands of friends. You don't have a thousand friends. You can't talk to, there's only 365 days in a year. If you talk to one of them, a different one each day and had a true meaningful conversation, your, your friend circle can't be that big. And, and we're so deceived and we're so poured, poured around. Don't worry about that. Just live your life. And then the other thing is we're watching people's life. And we can, in this day and age, we can live. Isn't it wonderful? We can only show the beautiful things, the good things that are happening in our life. Go back through the highlights and the stories. Nobody's putting the bad stuff on there. We're putting all the good stuff on there. And then what happens is I see Brother Kendall, and uh, hypothetically, I see him, and, and he's living out this life, and I think, man, his life, he has no problems. Everything's good. And what it is, is it is edited snapshots, and now and it, it is just presenting some kind of facade. And I'm thinking, oh, man, look at me. I'm just horrible. I can never get it together. Can I tell you, don't allow others to dictate. You get up every morning and say, this this is the day which the Lord hath made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Don't be affected by others. Is this all right preaching today? Is this okay? All right, so we go on. So now others, others influencing us, and we're trying to measure up. And then we get to the bigger thing. And this is where we've really, really got to be careful, and that is the worldview. The world. Love not the world. For all that is in the world, and John reduces it to three things. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Love not the world. The world in its ways today, culture is now in our face accessing us greater than ever before. We no longer have to go downtowns. We, never, we no longer have to go to town centers. We no longer have to go to uh, uh, halls of academia or, 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 or city halls and public places to, to, to get the, the influence and the effect of the world. Be, before you had to mingle among the world and you had to have discourse within the world, but now today the world is brought right down to us. It's not even limited to a screen in the living room in one corner of the home, but it's now invading every part of our society and our heart, uh, our life, our mind, the world, the ways of the world, the, the culture, the concepts, the thinkings of the world. It's on our devices. It's in everything. If you're like me, I, I start my day with the Word of God and coffee, two of the greatest things in life. I start my day. With that, and then from that, I go on, and I, 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 I've got a book or a podcast or something always going, and, and, and I'm reading and listening, and you're interacting, and there's constant stuff, and you have to be careful as you navigate that, that the thinking and the thought processes 
coming. You can't just you can't just live life today without filtering things out. If you don't have a filter, wow, there's vulnerability in your life. You've got to have filters and screens and walls and parameters and and and, and discernment. You've got to have discernment. You don't just take everything and touch everything and allow everything to come in in that societal way. The world is shaping. It's shaping the way we think and we live in the world, but we're not to be of the world. How does the world affect us? It affects us because we can see sometimes the ideals and the, and the mentalities and the way the world thinks. We see it start creeping into our own life and into our own families and into our own churches and we've got to be careful. And I must remind you that John said this, he that if any man love the world, he says, this is hard language. The love of the Father is not in him. That, you, that, that the love of the world and the love of God are two contrary things. That they, they won't jive. They, they, don't, they don't go along parallel. They, they, they don't work together. You're in opposition. You're constantly in this fighting and in this battle. The ways of the world. The ways of the world. Someone told me a story a few years back. You, you may remember a preacher. Uh, uh, one, one of our uh, Pentecostal, I don't want to say pioneers, but Elder C.M. Becton. What, what a wonderful gentleman he was, preacher of the gospel. And he pastored in Tennessee, and, and uh, he, he lived here in the St. Louis was, uh, area, was one of our leaders. And, and, and somebody shared the story. I think it was him. He was preaching at a church service. I think it was over in St. Louis. And he got up, and this is in the early, maybe it was in the early 80s, or maybe it was in the early 90s, so a few years back. And he was preaching and he told a funny story. I think it was a funny story. He said about, it was about divorce. And it was a funny story. And he started his sermon off. And he started off and he told a funny story about divorce. And the congregation laughed. And immediately he, he said, see, right there you laughed. He said 30, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, he said, if I would have told this story, he said, we would not have laughed, we would have grieved. And then he went on to preach a message about gradualism. I'm going to tell you today, now, divorce, the, the culture of our day today, that, that's not even an issue. That's not even, that we're so common with that. But today, now, you can tell a story, God forbid, but you can tell a story in most youthful settings about alternative lifestyle or homosexuality and people would not be grieved but people would laugh hear me today because we are so influenced and so impacted that we are so numb it's in front of us so much so often all the time we're, we're, we're not even moved by it. It's contrary. Can I tell you, as your pastor, I have the hard responsibility to be the under-shepherd of the flock and to try to keep the wolves and the bears out and to try to lead you to places where the grass is green and, and, and you can be fed. Can I tell you, the world is not doing you any favors. The world is not helping you. And the the world is contrary to the things of God. I am not someone, I have ideas and I, I stay up on the news, but I am not someone that, that enters into the arguments of politics publicly because that is not my calling and that is not my duty. But can I tell you, there are a lot of issues that our culture is dealing with today. It is not a political issue. The world is trying to make it political, but it is a contrary issue to the Word of God. Just this, this last few days, recently it's been in the news of how they are trying to pass, uh, they are trying to pass laws in America, I think it's in Colorado maybe specifically, where abstinence uh, sex education teaching would be outlawed, would be banned. Because abstinence, they say, doesn't work. And they say the reality is, is abstinence-based programs programs that try to teach 
children and our youth that they can be pure all the way up until marriage. They say it's broken and it doesn't work. Can I tell you, that is a direct affront to the Word of God. That's not a political solution. That's not man's solution. That's God's solution, God's plan, and God's command. The world, the thinking of the world is trying to tear down the things of the Lord. It's not political. The problem is not with God's plan. The problem is with humanity. And we would rather justify the sins of humanity than we would deal with the issue. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of a life. Can I tell you, we've got to be careful. Be careful. Be careful. The politicians on both sides, they're soothsayers. They, they, I'm not saying that there's not good people that are trying to help out our country and help out our society. I believe that with all of my heart. But can I tell you, the problem is, is that you cannot solve the solutions of humanity by mere politics. God has given us His Word, and He's given us His plan. And we have to be the children of God, not... Uh, uh, not affected by society. Society. And I told you this isn't going to be an itching ear sermon. This is not going to be a tickle your ear sermon. Can I be bold? If you're, if you're modeling your parenting style and your family style and your marriage style after the ways of the world, you need to check yourself. You need to check your heart and you need to go back to the Word of God. Why? Because God's the one that invented marriage. God's the one that invented parenting. God's the one that invented all this stuff. And I think if anybody is an authority on it, it ought to be the Lord and the Lord's Word. You say, well, well this preacher, this preacher so-and-so, I saw him and he was saying this and this counselor was saying this. God bless all those people that are helping. But if what they are saying, what they are espousing, what they are teaching, I don't care how many degrees they have. If what they are teaching is not based upon the Word of God, it will not work. But you have access to the Word of God. You can take the Word of God for yourself. And you can open up the pages and say, Lord, I know desperate times happen in life. And you can go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I need help. I need direction. I need your Word. Show me what to do. And I'm going to tell you the principles that God has given you will lead you. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This is, why, this is why John was preaching against the world. He was not preaching against the world because John had been offended by the world, although he had been. He was not preaching against the world because he didn't like the world. He was preaching against the world because, go back to John chapter 2 and verse number 17. He said, and the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Society is going to destroy you. Society is going to come and it's going to crumble and it's going to fall. You know, we're so arrogant today because we think that we are doing something new. We are so arrogant today because we think that we are doing something new. We think that we are the bold progressives. I, 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 I laugh at that word, progressive. Do you know that history is repeating itself? Constantly, constantly. You think this is something new? Go back and read. Go back and read the Greeks and the Romans. Go back and read the Babylonians. Read what their cultures were like. Go back and read really what was happening in Canaan land. Read what was happening. We're not doing anything new in our society. We think we're so progressive and we're so liberating. No, we are going back to those same old things which has already happened and it's already destroyed and it's already crumbled. And America is headed the same direction. America is headed the same direction. We are following quickly in the steps of Rome. We are following quickly. Last week, Instagram and Facebook were down for a while. It messed everybody's life up. What do we do? I posted on there. I posted on Instagram my story. I put on there. I said, you know, I have a new number. You can call the old number, and it'll give you the new number. I didn't want to put my number out there publicly for everybody. I said, you can call the old number, it'll put the new one on there. And I said, but if your Instagram is down, you won't see this, and you may be in for a rapture scare in the near future. 
sad reality is last week during that time down that Pornhub had more hits than ever because social media was down. That's, that tells us two things. Number one, people have to be visually stimulated. People are using social media for things that are not right. Parents, be careful. When you let your children, your young person, have accounts that you don't keep them accountable for. Until they are 18, until they're on their own, until they're out of that house, you have right as a parent, biblical right. And not only right, you have responsibility. Of everything that I am responsible for, everything that comes through the threshold of my house. I am responsible. What Luca does, what he decides, what my family chooses to do on their own later on in life, that's between them and God. But I am responsible for what access. I'm not going to set him in a dangerous place. And we've got to be careful that we are not setting our children in a dangerous place in society and then hoping that they don't get run over and destroyed by the things of this world. Is this all right preaching today? We've got to be careful that the worldview does not shape us. God, change my mind. Change my heart. I don't want to be a product of my culture. I want to be a product of the Word of God. I want to be a product of the Spirit of God in my life. You may have made mistakes like me. You may have done things like me. You may have had society influence you in negative ways like me. Maybe some more than others. But I'm going to tell you, God is a healer and God is a redeemer and God is a restorer. And I'm not preaching to condemn. I'm preaching to convict that God could pull you further and closer to Him. I'm not preaching, amen, to destroy today. I'm preaching to illuminate that there are some obstacles that stand in our way. We wonder why when we come to the, spirit, to the church and everybody's worshiping, maybe why you can't feel God. Or you can't break through to the Spirit of the Lord. Maybe it's not the church. Maybe it's not the song leader. Maybe it's not the service. Maybe it's because you've got so much of society wrapped around you that you can't break through all of that. When you come to the house of God, when you come to church, you ought to be able to come to church and free to worship no matter who's here or who's not here. You ought to be free to praise God without having to worry about anything else. You ought, you ought to be able to, to, to be in the house of the Lord with fellow brothers and sisters that have been redeemed and birthed into the body without being drawn and swayed by the societal ways and thinking of the world, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. We worship God. So here, how do we deal with the obstacle? Here's how we deal with the obstacle. First John he says, love not the world. you got to stop loving it. Stop loving it. Turn to somebody and just tell them, stop it. Stop it. Love not the world. Stop loving it. Stop admiring it. Maybe we need to re-examine what are our idols and what are our heroes and, and, and why are they our heroes or our idols? You can't take someone that is, that is the representation of everything that is moral and wrong and dishonest and, 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 and has no character and integrity and say, I want to be like this person. I want to look like this person. I want to act like, I want to have the cool vibes that this person has. You don't want to have the vibes that person has. Flip through. Uh, uh, you, you be careful. Be careful, young ladies and, and, and young men too today. Uh, be careful what you're trying to model yourself after. Be careful what models you're trying to model yourself after because you don't want the same vibe. You don't want that same drug culture and eating disorder culture and all that stuff to get inside of you so you have a hollow, sunken, serious, depressed look on your life and swag as you walk. No, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. There ought to be a radiance in you. There are, is that all right? You go on and be okay with who God made you and what God made you. Let there be a radiance in the Holy Ghost inside of you. Love not the world. Stop loving it. Stop admiring. Quit letting the world entice you. Quit letting the world entice you. I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying you can't enjoy the things of this world. I'm not saying you can't do all that, but quit letting the world entice you. Do, do I need to bring up the issue of our entertainment today? Be careful what you're entertained by. 
three hours of preaching a week, if you get that much, three hours of preaching a week is not going to combat with hours upon hours of, of piping in a worldview from the world in your mind. And somehow that's going to counter it. Be careful. Be careful what you bring in your life. It's okay. It's, it's still okay for you to take a season and time out. It's still okay to have, have, have phone-free zones. It's still okay to turn time off and have family time and get together and say, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to have... Is, it, is that all right today? Amen. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's right. It is right. Amen. You say, well, you're being counter you're being counterculture, you're being stick in the mud, you're, you're being you're being oddball out. Hello? Hello? I want to be the oddball out. I don't want to be the one all messed up and down and depressed. I'm not trying to be like that. They ought to see something in the church and say, hey, I want what you've got. I want what you've got. Hallelujah. 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 You can enjoy life and not be like that. Amen. So, so, so let's go on. So four things. Okay, so number one, repent. Repentance is how you deal with a situation. What is repentance? It's the act of change. I want change in my life. I want change. I don't want society to be, I don't want society to be in my way. I don't want society. So I have to repent of the societal ways and the influences that I let society in my life. So I ask you to examine yourself. How is society impacting you? How is society impacting you? If your favorite comedy show is one that promotes uh, uh, everything that is defiant to Scripture, then maybe you need to re-examine your heart. Folks, there are other things in life to laugh about. You don't have to compromise and make sin one of those things. Because if you'll laugh at it, you'll be numb to it, and then you make yourself vulnerable to the very thing that you are humored by. I don't want to be entertained by I don't want to be entertained by people hating and killing and murdering and raping and lying. I don't want that stuff in my life and in my heart. So you got to repent. You've got to change. Still okay to go home and clean out your closet every once in a while and clean out your collection. Is that all right? It's still okay to go through and say, "You know what? You know, now now what what's the lady that's going around the the crazy lady that's going around and she's going through houses and doing all that?" Yeah, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. And if this doesn't bring you joy, get rid of this. Man, I wish I could do that with, but <laughs> um, a friend of mine posted and said, my wife told me that she uh, uh, Marie Kondoed my closet. And he said, oh, no. She said she was getting rid of everything that didn't bring her joy. And he was worried that she was getting rid of all of his, his hobby stuff and all, all kinds of stuff and stuff like that. But you, you, ought to, you ought to go through your life, and you, you ought to look at this, and you ought to say, hey, what in here is not building up my spirit? What in here is not building up my faith in God? And if it's not building it up, I ought to get rid of it. I ought to get rid Folks, can I tell you, there is too many good stuff out there that you'll never exhaust all the good stuff in your life. You don't have to bring the junk in. And you're like, well, I got to hasten on. Second, baptism. You get baptized. What is baptism? Well, baptism is a continuation of repentance. It is, it, is, it is what repentance leads to. Baptism is a ritual cleansing and washing, but it's more than ritual. It's not just ceremony and ritual. There is something that happens when you're baptized. It is the fulfillment of the Old Testament ritual cleansing. When you are baptized, get this, you are washed of all sins, all sins, sins you committed or sins that were committed to you. When I was baptized in Jesus' name, it didn't matter what anybody else had done to me. It was no longer a part of me. It was released from me. I was freed from it. I was delivered from that. Amen. And society has no hold on me. If you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you ought not be dictated by society because you've been set free by society. In the Old Testament, when they would get cleansed, it didn't matter if somebody that came up with a disease came up over to them. Come here, Brother Duff. And if somebody that had a disease came and touched them, 
They didn't do anything wrong, but the diseased person touched them and corrupted them, contaminated them, and now they were unclean, and they had to go get washed. Can I tell you, sometimes things happen in your life that you didn't choose, that you didn't want, you weren't looking for, but it came to you, like it or not, there it is, and now you are unclean, but when you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody's done to you. You are not defined by it. You are not bound by it. You've been set free and declared a clean person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we believe in the baptism for the remission of sins. And so you're baptized in the name of the Lord. When you're baptized in the name of the Lord, what do you do? After that, he says, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Ghost comes in. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God living inside of your life. Thank God. Acts chapter 2. There the Spirit of the Lord poured out. When the Spirit came, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was all throughout the epistles where they would challenge them. Be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God was something that came inside of your life to to, uh, 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 bring bring life, to encourage you. Come here, Brother Duff. You thought you were getting away with this. Take, take, take your suit coat off if you don't mind today, okay? So, so the Spirit of the Lord is now inside of you. The Spirit of God is inside of you. You're not the same that you used to be in times past. You were contaminated, but Jesus Christ comes and He says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt did not, did not purify or redeem that which was rotten, but salt stopped the rottenness. When you would take salt and you'd apply it, to a piece of meat. If that meat was already rotten, the salt didn't help. But if you put salt on the meat, it would stop the rot. It would stop the decay. It stopped the decay. As children of God, as born-again believers of God, we cannot redeem the world. But what we can do in our life is stop the decay. What does that mean? Society is decaying. That's what John said. The world passes away and the lust thereof. Society's in decay, but the church stops the decay. The church is not subject to society. Society does not touch. So, no, 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 no. Put her on. Yep, there you go. So I go into the hospital and I pray for people. And have you ever been in the hospital and you've got a gown up? You know what I'm talking about? Now, I wish I, wish I had, brother, brother Cox, I should have asked you to bring some, some hospital gown. You got a gown up, they make you put on this thing, they put the mask over your face. You got, if you really got the full deal, you got it over your head. That's, and then you put the gloves on your hands and, and you're gowned up. And you go in there and now you can talk with the patient, you can pray with the patient, you can do whatever and you're all gowned up. When you go in there, they, they are not wanting you to gown up always because they're worried about you contaminating the patient. The patient's the one in the hospital. They're the one sick. You're the one that's coming in. What they don't want is they don't want the spread of disease. They don't want you to come and touch the patient. You could, number one, be a carrier from room to room. They don't want you taking that disease out. And you may be fine, but you go and you contaminate somebody else and you spread that. And so you, you, you do this and, and it helps the spread of disease. When the Spirit of God gets inside of your life, it's like the Holy Ghost putting something on side of you. And now you are not contaminable. You are not contaminated. The things of this world are not to stick to you. The things of this world, anybody understand what I'm saying? They don't come on you. The Holy Ghost, amen, in your life, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. You're not isolated from the world, but you're insulated from the world. I live in the world. I'm not isolated from it, but I'm insulated from it. That means that when I come in contact with somebody that's depressed, I don't have to leave with their depression. When I come in contact with somebody that's bound, I don't have to leave with their bondage because the Spirit of the Lord has covered me in my life. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. So, so you are not to be affected by society. So be careful what you sit down and you open up your mind to and you open up your heart to. The worldview of, of, of this world is, is, is not the things of God. It's contrary to the things of God. And so beyond that, and I come to the close with this, the final thing that he brings us to is this thing of departing 
or separation. Separation. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 as they come to the music. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 17, Paul writes this, and in doing it, he's quoting Isaiah 52 and 11. He says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's quoting Isaiah 52, which Isaiah 52 is interesting because he says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And then he begins talking about the gospel, the saving power of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 52.10, he says, Behold, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm. Talking about the Messiah, the arm, his strength of salvation. In the eyes of all the nations and all the people shall see. He's saying he's going to be the savior of the whole world. And he immediately follows the message of, of a promised Savior with this, Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. God is saying, look, the gospel message, the Redeemer, the Savior is coming, and when He comes, He is calling you out of the world, and He is going to separate you from the world. Paul interprets Isaiah 52 and 11, and he says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. He's calling us out of the world. You say, well, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. That's what God's calling you to do. God's calling you to stick out. Remember, you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. You're a holy nation, peculiar. And he says that you could show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Nobody says the darkness is marvelous, but the light is marvelous. See, that's what, that's what God is calling you out of. He's calling you out of that darkness. He's calling you to live a separated life. If you're reading, I'm reading the Bible chronologically, and I've been going through this process in Deuteronomy. What, what, what richness Deuteronomy holds. And, and in going through, he's preaching to the generation of people that are going to inherit the promise. And, of course, we know, we know Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That was the first and the great commandment Jesus would quote and say twice. He said, this is the, this is the first commandment. This is the greatest commandment. This is the number one thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And then he goes on from that. And if you read in the next few chapters, there's much made. you got to talk about this in your home. And you talk about this after he gave the first commandment. He said, you take that commandment and you bind it. You bind it about your head. They wear it as frontless in your eye. You put that on the doorpost. You put that on the post of the door. Every threshold you walk through, he said, I want the word of God on there. When you go into that house, when you sit down, you talk about the things of God and what God has done. Now, I don't think he was saying that every waking moment of your day, you had to talk about theology. That's not what he was saying. But when you sit in the way, when you're walking, when you're going, wherever you're at, the things of God. You, he's talking about literally, literally, we, we, we could, by extension, we could understand this, that live life out in all manner of conversation and idle time. Live life out in the worldview that God espouses, not the way the world thinks. Live life out in your relationships, in your home. Let it be the things that are acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. David said this, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. Let everything that I do. So in separation from the world, too often when we think of separation, we limit it to just looking like the world. I'm going to tell you, number one, you ought not look like the world. You ought not want to look like the world. Why do you want to look like somebody who has been used in every way possible by the world 
How is that cool? You, so you ought not want to whoop, but you ought, I don't want to act like the world. And beyond acting, I don't even want to think like the world. I don't want to think like, like somebody's broken down. I want to think in the way that God wants. I want to be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Why? Because he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so the ways of God displaced the ways of the world. You need to re-examine your life. I need to re-examine my life. Are the ways of God displacing the ways of the world? Too often I think we've done the opposite. We come to church. Thank God for being in church. I'm preaching to the choir today. Thank God for being in church. But we come to church once, twice, three times a week, and we think we've, we've done it. We can check it off. You can't, you can't go back to your home and then let the things of this world displace God. Your Christianity is only as strong as you are in private. Stand together with me today. So I got to get society out of the way. I got to get society out of the way. I, I, I don't want to have society in my thinking, in my ways. I'm going to tell you, the world, the world has a view on everything. Even in our entertainment, even in the politics, even in the news, the world is espousing a view on everything. The world is subliminally saying by intention or not, they're telling us how to live. They're telling us how we ought to live, how our relationships ought to be, what we ought to do for pleasure and fulfillment and joy. They're telling us all of those things. And I want to take my life back. I don't want the world telling me how to live. I, I want to live the way God wants me to live. So I've got, I've got to probably today repent of some things and say, God, okay, I'm going to change some things. I want your word. I want, I want the way you think to be in my life. And I promise you this, that your greatest days, your greatest days of joy and pleasure and fulfillment are not in the ways of the world, but they are when you are following the ways of God. Can I get an amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your truth. And I pray today, God, that your word, that your spirit would have not only authority, but invitation today, invitation into my life. I welcome your word. I welcome your direction, your instruction, your correction, if needed. I, I welcome that into my life today. And I pray for every household, every family, every parent, every father, mother, Every son and daughter, every person that's here today, God, let us not leave society in our path, in our way, but let us be willing to lay it aside. Let us be willing to lay it aside. In Jesus.